The biggest thing, Stephanie, I think is realizing, for me, there was that moment of making a decision that I was going to fix this no matter what, and I wasn't going to stop until it was done. And that, that's that math thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and realizing that you're in a position of power. We are always in a position of power. We can choose. And I've seen plenty of stories now of people that have put chronic illnesses into remission. It can be done. Welcome to the Longevity Blueprint Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Stephanie Gray. My number one goal with the show is to help you discover your personalized plan to build your dream health and live a longer, happier, truly healthier life. You're about to hear from Jane Hogan. You'll get to hear her morning routine, the power of heart-focused breathing, and how math, yes, math, helped her heal. Let's get started. Welcome to another episode of the Your Longevity Blueprint Podcast. Today, my guest is Jane Hogan, the wellness engineer who is passionate about helping people release joint pain by naturally letting go of inflammatory foods, thoughts, and feelings so that they're free to become the most magnificent version of themselves. Her personal experience of overcoming crippling rheumatoid arthritis using natural solutions inspired her to leave a nearly 30-year engineering career and become a functional medicine certified health coach. Jane hung up her hard hat and followed her heart. Through Jane Hogan Health, Jane applies her engineering problem-solving skills to help others build a solid foundation of mind, body, wellness, and design their own unique path back to strength, vitality, and freedom. Jane is the creator of Wonderful Fine, an anti-inflammatory living membership program, helping others see that optimal health is achieved by intentionally designing a life based on what her own body needs. Jane has inspired over 150,000 people to take control of their health with natural solutions and has been featured on multiple media outlets. So welcome to the show, Jane. Thanks so much, Stephanie. I'm really thrilled to be here. I like that bio. It relates to actually what I mentioned in my book. I'm not sure if you're aware, but I wrote a book called Your Longevity Blueprint right back there. So I talk to patients about building their health. And so you being mm-hmm. an engineer, you, I think you use, you use the same lingo. <laughs> um, Absolutely. <laughs> so part of building health, I, I thoroughly believe, um, incorporates using functional medicine principles. And I'm I'm sure some of your strategies you're going to give us today are actually some of those functional medicine principles. But I want to hear first about you leaving your career as an engineer to become a health coach, um, incorporating the functional medicine perspective. So what's your story? (laughs) (laughs) I know it's kind of strange. You don't see this combination of like engineer and health coach very often. Well, I, I worked as an engineer for nearly 30 years. But in 2016, I suddenly developed really crippling rheumatoid arthritis. So I had had a very stressful year, emotionally stressful leading up to it. And then it just came on really quickly. Like within three months, I went from being strong and vibrant to barely able to walk. I had so much pain and inflammation throughout my body. I couldn't make a fist with my hands. You know, it was just, and I was, I was afraid. I was really afraid because we were coming up to the freedom years and they weren't looking like they were going to be very free if I was going to be probably disabled. It's how it was looking at the time. So it was quite frightening. But I, it takes, I live in Newfoundland and it takes about six months to see a rheumatologist. Wow. So I wasn't diagnosed at this point, uh, but my family doctor said sometimes food is related to joint pain. So you could try, you know, eliminating some food. I thought, 
I thought that was crazy. I thought there's no way food has anything to do with joint pain, which seems now I know that it's crazy not to know that because I guess we know it. It seems to me people know it a lot more now, maybe not. But so I tried experimenting and like I'm an engineer. So, you know, I did this problem solving and I kept records and I charted and I graphed so I could see as I was making these changes that I was, I was having improvements. Like I had very quick improvements in levels of pain and the inflammation started to go down gradually. And then I just started researching, uh, started, you know, Dr. Google, and then I'd listen to podcasts and I'd hear, hear about books and I get books. I've got stacks and stacks of books on health now. And I really started learning about lifestyle changes and getting at the root cause. And um, as I kept learning, I thought, I, I really want to learn more. So I decided while I was still working as an engineer, I part-time did the Institute for Functional Medicine's Functional Medicine Coaching Academy program and learned even more. And then I, I really felt like this rheumatoid arthritis had come into my life for a reason and it woke me up and made me realize that I had really spent my whole life <laughs> people-pleasing, trying to do it all, trying to be a perfectionist. And I believe it's really a lot of that that mm. led to it. And, and the emotionally stressful year was just like a tipping point, like filled up the bucket and tipped it over. So I feel like it was happening for me for me to learn. And I have learned and I've changed and I've grown so much. So I decided like this, I, I'm just so passionate about, it. I want to let other people know that they don't have to feel like a victim when they get an illness because the power is all within them to mm. create a he healing environment. And I know you know all about this yeah, because it's yeah. the same work you do, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. So how did math help you heal? Was it the graphing and the charts you were alluding to? I was actually in, in that, I was referring to Hal Elrod's miracle equation. Have you heard of Hal Elrod? He wrote an equation and it was, it was the, called the miracle equation. And basically the equation is unwavering faith and something like outstanding effort. Like you just never stop. And that gives you a miracle. And I was like, yeah, that's basically what I did because I, I sought out stories of other people that had healed naturally. So that was the unwavering faith part. Sure. And then I was not giving up until I found a solution. So I just, I just kept on going, you know, just so those two together gave me a, a miracle. So I feel like that was how math helped me heal. Put those two together sure. and, <laughs> and you got it. Sure. So part of your healing journey, I'm assuming, involved greatly changing your diet. So tell me how gut health is related to overall health and what you have learned through your training. Well, I did. I learned that, of course, so much of our immune system is in our gut. And because of that, when our immune system gets triggered and we get inflammation, and I wouldn't say the primary cause, but because I don't think it started there, it started from a lot of other stuff. But your gut gets inflamed, it gets leaky, triggers the immune system. So of course, if you have any autoimmune condition, actually if you have any inflammation at all, it probably involves the gut. So you have to, you have to get that under control. 
So yeah, the foods was a great place to start. Now, I, of course, I thought I was eating healthy. I didn't think I ate badly. I didn't eat a lot of, I didn't think processed food, but now I realized, of course, anything with an ingredient label is a processed food. (laughs) And even some things without ingredient labels are still processed foods. They're industrial foods. My learning curve was very steep. So I learned about the common inflammatory foods. So of course, sugar, which I I didn't really have a lot of sugar anyway, but I didn't realize that dairy was causing me a problem. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that I was sensitive to gluten and other grains. I used like seed oils, like industrial type of oils and thought they were fine. You know, vegetable oils are good, right? (laughs) So it was finding out about things like that that were a little bit of an eye-opener. And also, I had never really heard of nightshade vegetables before. And turns out I'm sensitive to those. (laughs) So just for the audience, to go over the nightshades, those are tomatoes, potatoes, eggplants, and peppers. They're also known as the kind of solanine family foods. I don't know how to pronounce that. but So (laughs) those were a problem for you, which right now here in the summer, it's tomato season. Everyone's making fresh salsa and (laughs) having, you know, garden fresh tomatoes. So... What all foods did you take out? And then what foods did you put back in your diet that maybe you hadn't been consuming many of that you now are? Well, you know, you really have to go about it methodically. And I think for a little while I was, I I was taking stuff out, but then I wasn't being very careful about introducing stuff in. I'd have like a whole bunch of things at once or go to a restaurant. You never know what you're getting. So you have to kind of be very careful. So it was a slow, long lesson for me to figure out some of these things. Initially, I cut out I was following the autoimmune protocol, Great. paleo. So, so I had cut out, you know, eggs and nuts and all these things, all grains, nightshades, dairy, <laughs> all kinds of things. So I've, I've discovered along the way that I am sensitive to tomatoes, but I, I'm okay with potatoes. So I can eat potatoes. So yeah. that's something I've introduced back. I can, I can do nuts as long as I don't do too many of them. Sure. I have to kind of keep it to not too much. If I start doing too much, I feel like I get sensitive. And eggs, I've got eggs again. So, but I also realized that the source of the eggs makes a difference. Sure. Right? So I have to, you know, I wouldn't just kind of get ordinary eggs. And same with meat, like beef, for example. Grass-fed beef, perfect, fine. But if I had, you know, industrial type of, of beef, no, not so good. So I what my food ate matters as well Mm -hmm. because I'm eating basically what they ate. Right. Right. So got to think about what you eat and what you eat eats. I think Michael Pollan said that first in one of his books, how just how important that is. Yeah. (laughs) What you eat ate matters. (laughs) You may likely have heard me talk about one of my favorite products in several episodes called Adrenal Calm. It contains a unique blend of botanicals and nutrients that support the stress response, particularly promoting cortisol balance. Specifically, Adrenal Calm includes a blend of adaptogenic botanicals and nutrients formulated to counteract the effects of daily stress and support healthy energy levels. It also contains phosphatidylserine and L-theanine, both of which reduce that half-life of cortisol or, in other words, calm adrenaline. I love using this in the afternoon if I've had a stressful workday or before public speaking. It can also be taken on a daily basis as many of us have more daily stress now than ever before. If you're interested in learning more about adaptogenic herbs, read Chapter 6 of my book, Your Longevity Blueprint. And check out our product guide info sheet at yourlongevityblueprint.com forward slash product forward slash adrenal hyphen calm. 
To get 10% off Adrenal Calm or L-theanine, use code CALM at yourlongevityblueprint.com. Now, let's get back to the show. I'm curious. So the focus of chapter one of my book is all about gut health and in removing inflammatory foods, but also it involves treating gut infections. Did you, mm. you know, have a stool test run on yourself? Did you find any overgrowth of bacteria or did you have to mm. hit it with some antimicrobials as well? Was that part of improving your gut health? It was because initially I was doing the foods and I was having improvement, improvement, and then it kind of plateaued. Sure. So in one of the books I'd read, it was like, okay, if it plateaus, then perhaps you have a, you know, some kind of infection. So I went to my family doctor and said, oh, could I please have a test for small intestine bacterial overgrowth and, and all these? And she was like, we, you know, conventional medicine, don't do that. You need to see a naturopath. And where I live... There's no naturopaths in my town. So I had to actually work with one online and it worked out really well. So it turned out that I had a severe case of SIBO, Mm. small intestine bacterial overgrowth, which is kind of unusual because I didn't have the digestive symptoms or I didn't think I had the digestive symptoms. I didn't have IBS or anything like that. But of course, afterwards, I did realize that I did have some symptoms. Sure. Once it cleared up, it's just I had had them for so long that they are normal. That was your normal. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I've struggled with SIBO also, and I never had like the the irritable bowel symptoms. I had more upper GI symptoms. I get short of breath and just kind of fullness in my chest and then heart palpitation. So it's it's interesting how conditions manifest differently (laughs) for different people. Yeah. Same with inflammation, like you're alluding to. Inflammation could manifest anywhere for you. It was primarily in your joints, but for someone else, it could be with headaches or, or yeah. skin disorder or whatnot. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because a lot of people don't realize that these this inflammation in other parts of their body is to do with their gut. Like a lot of people don't realize, for example, psoriasis is on your skin. What's that got to do with your gut? Right. 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 Totally. Yeah. <laughs> Everything. So we think, yeah. We think alike. Um, so... Other than changing your diet, I know you also um, emphasize the importance of heart-focused breathing, um, Mm. which probably was helpful with your stress, the stress that you had been dealing with that, like you mentioned, was the straw that broke the camel's back with your condition. So what is heart-focused breathing and how did that help you? How can it help with longevity? Well, so I came to realize that stress was really, I would think stress and emotions were really the underlying cause that had kind of carried on for a long, long time. And we don't even realize how much stress we're carrying around with emotions, but, you know, with everyday things going on in our lives as well. And I, I realized that I was like kind of clenched in my belly a lot of the time. And I, and I really had dysfunctional breathing. I was a chest breather. And so when I found out about heart-focused breathing in my functional medicine course, coaching course, I really began to apply it. And then I really love sharing it with other people because it's a very simple, simple practice. So I can explain it to you if you want to hear about it a little bit more. Yeah. Okay, so it's, it, here it is. It's as simple as this. And it was developed, uh, the, the HeartMath Institute, it's a nonprofit organization, does a lot of research into this heart-focused breathing and the effect of, of it on emotions and all the physiology in our body. So it's a great resource for anyone to check out. But the basic idea is you slow down your breathing. You try to you want to try to think about 
like breathing in for five seconds and breathing out for five seconds, that kind of slow breath like that. But you imagine breathing into your heart. So you can even, even put your hand hands on your heart just to kind of get that feeling going. So you imagine breathing into your heart slowly and imagine the air swirling around your heart, all around your heart space and letting it go. Breathing into your heart, swirling around the heart, releasing it. And then while you're continuing with that, you think about an event that happened in your life that brought you a positive heart feeling like love or compassion or joy or even excitement. Just a positive heart feeling or gratitude So you think about this event and then you focus on the feeling that you get from it and imagine that feeling in your heart. So as you're thinking about this event and feeling the feeling in your heart, you keep breathing in, breathing out. Focus on that beautiful feeling. As you breathe in, breathe out. And you really only need to do that for, well, if you, could, if you can do it for three breaths, that's great. But if you do it for three minutes, that's even better. It's just, it's a very, very super simple practice. I love it because you can do it anytime. You can even do it with your eyes open. They don't have to be yeah. closed. Sure. So you can do it absolutely anywhere. If, it, if it's not appropriate for you to have your hands on your heart, you don't have to do that. So you can just do it anytime, anywhere. Little kids can do it. Like you can use it with kids to help them get to sleep at night. And there's just so many benefits. So from heart-focused breathing, we get this coherence going on within our heart. And we increase heart rate variability. So heart rate variability is, it's the variation between successive heartbeats. Now we would think that, oh, a nice regular heartbeat would be good. But what we want is more variation in there because when we have that variation, we get that coherence going on. We get great communication between our heart and our brain. And actually our heart has a little brain in it and sends way more signals to the brain than the other way around. So the heart sends all these signals to the brain, which then changes the the chemistry that the brain then releases in our body. So we calm right down. Our digestive system works better. Our musculoskeletal system works better. Our endocrine system, our cardiovascular system, everything just starts to work better. You actually get better brain function. So you think better, you have better focus, you have better self-regulation. So you get better decision-making. So you're less likely then to do behaviors that are not going to serve you, like lash out at people or eat the food that you shouldn't eat or any of those kinds of things. So it's it's just really good. And long-term, there's so many great benefits. In, like in, even in a community, helps people with PTSD. It helps people with anxiety. Helps anyone, really, because we can all use a little bit of relaxation, especially in these changing times when we need more resilience, because we, we don't know what we're facing and it just helps calm down. So I, I love this heart-focused breathing. <laughs> I like it too. So is this part of your morning routine? Is that something that you do every day or how are you using it now? 
I use it pretty much anytime I'm feeling a little bit like I notice that I'm feeling stressed or a little bit clenched again. That's kind of my go-to position. And in my morning routine, I do use deep breathing, but I I do a meditation practice. So yeah, my morning routine is is my non-negotiable. I have to do that every day. It's part of my health and well-being. It's what I have to do to stay healthy. So even when I'm traveling, no matter what, I do my morning routine. <laughs> Which is, share more, tell us everything. What? <laughs> <laughs> so my morning routine, it's another thing that Hal Elrod came up with, actually. He called it his miracle morning. It's about an hour long. And I set up a little timer, so it kind of reminds me of when to do the transitions. So it starts off with 10 minutes of silence. So that's the meditation. The acronym he uses is SAVERS. So 10 mil- So the S is silence. 10 minutes of silence. The A is affirmations. So five minutes of affirmations. And I'll use all kinds of positive affirmations. Always state them. I am the present tense. And I've used different ones at different times. It could be around health. It could be around pretty much anything. I love it. And I love doing those looking in the mirror and smiling at myself. Yeah, that's good. (laughs) And then five minutes of visualization. So I might visualize what my day is going to be like, or maybe I'm visualizing a future that I want to build. So it's this visualization because our brain works in pictures. So if you can visualize a picture in your head of what you want, then it helps it actually come to fruition, right? So S-A-V-E is exercise. So for me, that's 20 minutes of yoga. I like to do yoga. I find it really great on my joints. It's easy. It stretches them out and it's, sure. it's my go-to thing, but you could do anything, you know, you could do, you know, a little high intensity training, right? Something that's small and then followed by some stretching. So whatever works for anyone, is what I would say to do there. And then R, that one is for reading. So 10 minutes of reading, And I usually use that to read either personal development or something on spirituality. But the thing is, it's, you know, you know, no matter what, you're going to get that 10 minutes of reading in Mm -hmm. every day. And it's surprising how that builds up, Mm -hmm. right? And you can get a book read in just that 10 minutes a day. And then the last S is scribe, which is journaling. So it's 10 minutes of journaling and different ways to journal. You could journal on gratitude, you know, write down what you're grateful for that day, three things. You could journal on stream of thought, what's, you know, popping up in your head that day. I found it really useful when I was really examining where a lot of my my beliefs were coming from that I felt were leading to emotions that were causing my illness or contributing to my illness. I really spent a bit of time looking at childhood. So what would bubble up in my head that day about childhood and what did it, how did that translate into my personality now? found that really eye-opening for a while. Like I didn't carry on just for that period of time until I sort of felt like I'd worked through that and that was done. So that's the, that's my morning routine. That's quite the routine. There are a lot of good tips in there. (laughs) (laughs) My advice to the listeners may be if this all sounds great, but you may not have an hour in the morning to do that. Mm. You could divide it through the day, right? So Absolutely. maybe you do your 10 minutes of reading at night and you're scribing or you know, 
gratitude journaling at night, but you do the affirmations and the silence and the exercise in the morning, whatnot. So I imagine you don't have to do this in any specific order. It doesn't have to be perfect, but these are just great tips for ways to really incorporating what will calm our nervous system and reduce stress in this this world that we live in. So those were great tips. Thank you. It really sets the tone for the day as well. But yeah, I've done done that, Stephanie, where if I'm a little bit rushed, well, it's the reading and journaling, kind of like, put that aside. I'll try to get at that later. So the rest of it is 30 minutes. So even if someone's had, they only had 20 minutes, cut the exercise down to 10 minutes. Sure. Right. And just make it, make it work, but you just have to start making a priority. Yeah. Yeah. You have to make it happen. And we can all find 20 minutes in the morning. I would think, you know, just getting ready the night before helps. Now, a lot of people working from home, they do have this little bit of extra time that sure. they're not spending commuting. So yes. Yeah. Yeah. But starting with meditation, a daily meditation practice is just so good for calming the nervous system down and getting you into that rest and digest mode because that's when you heal. When you're in the stress mode, you're not healing. don't. Yeah, exactly. So you've alluded to this a little bit, but how does what you think affect your health? Oh, I think it all kind of starts there. (laughs) What you think, your emotions affect your behavior. So what you think, this is interesting because they say that about 90% of our thoughts are repeated thoughts. Same thoughts we had yesterday, maybe four, day before. So of course, if you're repeating the thoughts because your thoughts lead to your feelings, which lead to your actions or inactions, which lead to your results, you keep getting the same results. (laughs) So that definition of insanity is doing the same thing and expecting different results. So if you want to get different results in your health or any area of your life, you have to change your thinking. Now, the problem with changing thinking is a lot of it comes from beliefs that are subconscious beliefs that were instilled in our brain before we were seven years old. (laughs) They were not even our beliefs. Someone else put them there. So we need to go back and look at them and see what are some of these beliefs that we've got that maybe aren't really serving us very well. And once I realized that for me, that made a big difference big difference because I could look back and see what some of these beliefs were and how it led to my behaviors. And then I could switch it up a little bit. It takes conscious effort though. Yeah. And, and time. I, for years, put off taking a class called The Ultimate Journey, which is available here locally through an organization called House of Hope. because so it was such a huge time commitment to, to do that. And I finally made time for it a few years back. And it was the most amazing experience of my life because they do. They, they took you back to your childhood and why you know, everything that's happened to you and how you kind of see the world through the lens that you do. And they help you reframe some of that. And that's mm. what a lot of us need, but it, it's, it's, it doesn't happen overnight. You can't just flip a switch and then change, no. change those thoughts. No. <laughs> it and takes work. Yeah, it does. And you need to, um, it's, it's layers. You're kind of peeling away layers. That's yep. one of the things I work on with my, with my clients is trying to identify those kinds of things, the beliefs, the thoughts that are leading to your behaviors now. And what do you want to change? Yeah, that's great. So what other tips do you have for boosting health and longevity? What other tips? Well, I mean, the very, very simple one, besides the the breathing, the heart-focused breathing, which is super simple as well as drinking enough water. (laughs) You know, a lot of people just aren't drinking enough water and that helps so much. And I think just overall, 
putting good in. So think about putting good in, putting good food, good thoughts, good feelings, good water, (laughs) good water, good air, (laughs) good things on your skin, good people around you, just exposing yourself to the best environment possible because the environment is what changes our gene expression. And illness is when our genes get turned on to, or, you know, regulated or or express an illness. So if we want to change gene expression and and downregulate those genes for illness, then we got to provide the environment that's going to allow the body to heal. And that's That's why I mean design. You design the environment, build that foundation. (laughs) Talk about the the analogies there. We build that foundation that's going to allow healing to happen. So I, I want to go back to that because in your bio, like tell us what you mean by intentionally designing a life based on what our body needs. Well, you pay attention. You pay attention to your body and know that it's always talking to you. When we've got pain, it's talking to us. If we've got other symptoms, it's talking to us. So paying attention to that and then not just letting things happen to you, planning how, if I want this to change, how am I going to change that? So you're designing the life, not by reacting to the world, but by designing the environment that you want to be in. So it's, it's not a reactionary approach. The, the reactionary approach is feeling like a victim and why did this happen to me and nothing I can do and, and the solution being outside. So what I love about this is the solution is inside. It's within you. You got wisdom. You got intuition. You can pay attention, and then design the life that's going to support healing and support well whatever you want. Wonderful, great tips. And I have to say, I think it's a little ironic that you appreciate heart math. I got to go back to math here when you said that. <laughs> I know <laughs> with your engineering background. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny. Funny, not that it's really math, but yeah. I've used that with my patients as well. So tell us also how listeners can get a hold of you. How can they hear more from you and follow you on social media? Okay. Thank you for that. My, my website is janehogenhealth.com. And I'm on Facebook and Instagram at janehogenhealth. And I've got a gift as well if they want to download it. And it's about actually the very first step with eating. And that's, it starts in your brain, right? So it's about creating mindful eating. And uh, because that's, that will help you digest your food better, which ultimately reduces inflammation. So I've got this, that gift if they want to, um, if they want to get it. So I know you're going to have a link in the show notes for that. We'll absolutely post that. Is, Is there anything else you want to share with our audience? Any tips that have helped you heal from your, this chronic condition? Any additional tips you didn't get to mention that were a huge part of your journey? The biggest thing, Stephanie, I think is realizing, for me, it was that moment of making a decision that I was going to fix this no matter what, and I wasn't going to stop until it was done. And that, that's that math thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And realizing that you're in a position of power. We are always in a position of power. We can choose. And I've seen plenty of stories now of people that have put chronic illnesses into remission. It can be done. 
It can be done. You just pay, keep paying attention. You keep working. And I still say I'm a work in progress. I, I'm still figuring things out. Come a long way though. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. And clients can then connect with you because you are a coach for, you know, so if individuals are, are listening and they're looking for someone like you, you're, you're up for the job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I love, I love what I do. I just really love seeing the transformations in people and especially that they, they learn to trust themselves and they have the tools to move forward then so they can make the deci- right decisions and for the rest of their life. Well, thank you today for this interview, for putting the power back in our hands and realizing we can make this decision, that we can also incorporate the strategies. I think you said the savers <laughs> analogy to reduce stress in our life, which is a huge catalyst for chronic disease. So thank you for all the tips that you've given us today. I think you will have provided the listeners with a lot of hope. So thank you for your time. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you so much for having me. After the interview this morning, I had to look into the man she mentioned, Hal Elrod, who wrote the books The Miracle Morning and The Miracle Equation. They sound like books I should read. I'd encourage you as part of your 2021 goals to set your miracle morning like Jane has. Get your silence, affirmation, visualization, exercise, reading, and journaling in daily. And I know I'm preaching to myself here as well. I think the best way for me to get started doing this is simply by waking up 30 minutes earlier. I just need to do it. This will set the tone for my day. And I encourage that you do it too. Be sure to check out my book, Your Longevity Blueprint. And if you aren't much of a reader, you're in luck. You can now take my course online where I walk you through each chapter in the book. Plus, for a limited time, not only is the course 50% off, but you also get your first consult with me for free. Check this offer out at yourlongevityblueprint.com and click the course tab. One of the biggest things you can do to support the show and help us reach more listeners is to subscribe to the show and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. I read all of the reviews and would truly love to hear your suggestions for show topics, guests, or how you're applying what you've learned on the show to create your own longevity blueprint. The podcast is produced by the team at Counterweight Creative. As always, thanks so much for listening. And remember, wellness is waiting. The information provided in this podcast is educational. No information provided should be considered to be or used as a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always consult with your personal medical authority.